Are you ready for the end of the world? You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Should I wake up? <laughs> uh, wake up! And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit on your community radio station. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we bring you live and local news, and the sun just came out. <laughs> yeah. How about that? That's uh, live. Yeah. It just popped out for a second. Just the sun to show is out us, today. Yeah, just to show us a little appreciation. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was in honor of that song. Uh, that song was called uh, Bridget's Kiss uh, by a band called Trinity with an I. Uh, with, well, I guess with several eyes, but an I instead of the Y. So, Gaia House, we usually announce a lot of happenings for Gaia House on our show because they do a lot of um, a lot of stuff. And to be honest, I wouldn't know all the stuff except I get their weekly newsletter. Yeah. And um, there was an article in yesterday's Daily Egyptian about the uh, board meeting that happened on Wednesday. So this is very timely news. And the fact is that Gaia House will probably close within, well, about a month and a half. That's how much operating expenses they have. And part of it is um, the organization that primarily supports Guy House no longer will be giving any funding as of the beginning of this year. And part of it has been doing all the programs have created, well, less money in than going out. So that's what is that called? A deficit. Uh, yeah, it's been running on a deficit for uh, a while now. And the a uh, decrease of uh, income from those places is going to make it a worse deficit. Yeah. So um, if you want to, go to the Daily Egyptian and read the pretty detailed article. Um, basically, about a month and a half of operations, and so Guy House is looking for the community who Guy House has supported to turn around and, well, come back and support it. Yeah. How about I that? Yes, <laughs> and I do believe Guy House is going to pull through, but it's only going to happen if a lot of people come together right now because, uh, you know, it is on a deficit and pretty much out of money. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, ourguyhouse.org is the website for Guy House, and uh, the Daily Egyptian also has an article about it, uh, dailyegyptian.com or the physical Daily Egyptian if you can find one of those floating around. All right. And we'll have, we will... Uh, especially because we always mention happenings from Guy House anyway. We will have uh, news on the upcoming events. There will be com events like fundraisers and such in the next uh, couple of weeks to uh, uh, to keep Guy House going. Yeah, but that needs to be helped now. Yeah, so. in the meantime, you can be proactive, and if you're, if you're a fan of Guy House, uh, uh, that's how you get a hold of them. Uh, the number there is 618 618-549-7387. There's probably no one there at the moment because I'm here at the radio show sharing all this community news with you. <laughs> but starting yeah, at 11 a.m. You, you got a job there recently to yeah. do programming. Yeah, I so do programming over you, there. You so. liked all the programming that was already happening and you decided you wanted to continue it, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's how much I uh, I like Guy House is that, you know, I we were always reading the events here, you know, on the radio show. And so that got kept me excited about what was going on at Guy House. And eventually I hung out there long enough, they gave me a job. <laughs> they, they couldn't chase me away. <laughs> so, um, Have you been following the Occupy movement at all? 
A little bit. <laughs> OccupyUpdatesDaily.blogspot.com on the news. Reporters Without Borders released their yearly press freedom index on Wednesday, showing that the U.S. had dropped a huge 27 spots to 47th place in freedom of the press. The summary of the report described the huge loss of press freedom as directly result of the many journalists arrested while covering the Occupy movement. At several points during the movement's actions, police have been targeting reporters, arresting even those from the most well-known news agencies. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I heard, I've heard of a couple. a few <laughs> sporadic things, but I didn't realize that it was very common. Yeah, yeah, I see it. It's, it's very common for them to go after the independent ones, and they've even been going after some of the, uh, the you know, the corporate ones. Well, lately. that makes no sense. I mean, you <laughs> arrest them, and then they... Yeah, an article <laughs> bad about the police. Yeah, it, it, it's it's. But I guess short term, you arrest them, and then th- the article gets delayed a few days. I yeah, guess, yeah, something. that's what it is. Is it's all about short term strategies. If you can keep people off the street for a certain period of time, and if you can keep the press away for a certain period of time, you know, they'd rather have an article about a reporter got arrested than an article about you know the police beat up twenty protesters. You know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because they could say, "Oh, oh, we're sorry. We didn't see that large press pass that you had on your, on your, around your neck, or we didn't see that giant news quality camera you had." <laughs> that is funny because I mean, like uh, one reporter from CNN got arrested, and yes, they were being followed by a complete news, you know, a guy holding the microphone and a guy with the camera. <laughs> yeah, it was just like so. You know, they get the whole thing on film, and that actually went live. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, All right, let's see. Some other Occupy news. Uh, Occupy Portland held a demonstration earlier uh, this week in support of the Egyptian Revolution. Uh, Four people were arrested with charges of disorderly conduct or interfering with police. As the rally marched around the city, police presence grew until the officers outnumbered the protesters. Police were heard yelling at demonstrators to stay on the sidewalks. And at one point, several officers were knocked down by an accidental surge of the crowd. But there were no injuries. A U.S. bank located in the UC Davis Student Center has shut its doors repeatedly for the past few weeks thanks to a blockade by roughly 40 students. The protesters simply sit down outside the doors of the bank, blocking anyone from entering. While the university has a 10-year contract with the bank, there are rumors beginning to fly that it may shut down entirely soon. The students say they won't go until the bank does. All right. Occupy Oakland is planning to take over a vacant building as its new headquarters, warning police that any attempt to prevent this will result in more blockades. They're working on choosing a building with several in mind, all of which are either public buildings or buildings vacated by their bank or investor owners due to greed, corruption, or incompetence. Police say they're just watching for the right moment, but that the protesters need to keep the law in mind. Occupy Auckland has, was raided early Thursday morning as many as 60 police and 30 security officers. What's a security officer? <laughs> probably, uh, I would guess, like, private, privatized, you know. Over a dozen protesters were arrested for breaching the peace, breaching trespass orders, and willful danger, damage, and assault. Occupiers say they have been treated worse than dogs, with the city council's chief executive making a show out of delivering the trespass order personally. After the evictions, many protesters came back for a meeting, obviously upset. Many carried signs, and some tore down the fence that had been surrounding the area. They are planning a large march this weekend. 
Your question about security officers actually does remind me about the uh, news in Chicago recently about how these, the, the mayor pushed through a, a city council initiative to uh, basically give himself more police powers. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> well, that's in preparation for the big G8 conference. Yeah, and some of the powers he's going to get are going to be permanent, that they'll stay after the G8 conference, but some are during. And uh, one thing that he can do during the conference is basically deputize anyone as a police officer. You know, that uh, private security forces, uh, federal forces, that they all become Chicago police for that day, uh, which didn't used to be how it had to be. You had so to, they don't, I mean, even someone who doesn't want to be, they're all <laughs> of a sudden a police officer? Yeah, anyone who he, he points to and says, you're a police officer. <laughs> well, he personally has to point to him? Uh, no, I think it's just his, his staff, his administration. Well, I'm just saying, if he <laughs> just writes a proclamation... And every security officer is now a police officer and has to follow the same rules and regulations as a police officer. Yeah. Even if they haven't been, even been if they haven't been trained, in, sworn in, yeah, or, or they could even be, want to be. Yeah, they could. Li- I mean, they could literally be. You know, Blackwater services who, uh, you know, are there as you know, just they're private mercenaries. Well, and I'm, I'm just thinking of you know some minimum wage security officer at a mall all of a sudden now <laughs> yeah, has the ends same up power as, yeah, as, as a police officer you know a fully trained police officer yeah <laughs> and um well that's where some of the concern comes in you know is that uh the t- two concerns are you know like uh if you start using federal uh forces as police officers that's like a crossing of jurisdiction lines but then also you can have people who aren't necessarily trained who have the the authority to you know arrest people to uh you know use physical force to stop people from committing crimes you know uh as much as we may sometimes be critical of the uh the role that police sometimes play at protests it's it's a little worse if you have untrained people <laughs> doing the same thing <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, police are trained. They're trained usually they're, yeah. in doing things. Yeah, and sometimes I mean, they do it very professionally. I mean, we had problems with you know riots in Carbondale in the past because the police were not trained in riot control or you know crowd control. I mean, and so they did things that pissed off the crowd, and the crowd started tearing things up. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and they've started learning from those lessons locally, but right. then uh, I, I don't know if they've quite learned those lessons in, in Chicago. I guess we'll see. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is if if you have people who are not trained in tra- crowd control, yeah. I mean, the thing with <coughs> police, they're trained to have a few police control a large crowd. Yeah. But there's always less police, usually less yeah, police. Yeah, there's usually less police. And so if they so takes, piss off the crowd, <laughs> yeah, the crowd, you know, goes out of control. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, my God, the crowd went out of control. <laughs> yeah. In some cases, you know. Um, and it takes skill and training to, uh, to know what, both what laws you have to obey as a police officer and to know how to manage a crowd rather than just, you know, hitting them over the head with the club because yeah. somebody yelled something. <laughs> I mean, know? if you've ever gone to, a, you know, a, a private club that has a bouncer... There's usually two bouncers for a couple hundred people. Yeah. <laughs> and the crowd stays pretty well under control, you know, because they've been hopefully trained. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. If you would like to get um, a few links we have um, from the Huffington Post and um, the Atlantic Wire about the weirdest things. Well, how about from the Atlantic Wire? Weirdest things Occupy protesters get arrested for. <laughs> yeah. How about that? They just, I mean, 
some people are just coming up with random charges to try to figure out ways to arrest occupiers. And part of it, what I love about this um, Occupy movement is the simple fact that um, they're uncovering a lot of these weird laws. Yeah. That, I mean, did you know you couldn't walk through a a public park after 9 (laughs) p.m.? Almost anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, this is public space, but you can't, like, you know, if you wanted to take a shortcut to your home, you couldn't walk through the public park. Yeah. Because that's (laughs) trespassing after 9 p.m. And so... Yeah, and that's even one of the more obvious ones, even though it's not something you expect. It's something they say, oh, well, I I see why that's there. But then there's often other random things. Because often what they do is they arrest someone because they want them out of the way. And then they say, okay, wait, now what are we going to charge this person with now that we've got them? Right. At least at protest situations, that often happens, you know. So they are uncovering a lot of <clears throat> weird and unjust laws. and In some cases, not too often yet, but in some cases getting them overturned, or di- but primarily just exposing them. So here's something that's been exposed recently. <laughs> the Shawnee National Forest Peabody Energy Land Swap. Guess what? It was received negatively. The Shawnee National Forest interest in a land swap proposal between the U.S. Forest Service and Peabody Energy generated a large crowd of people at an open house at the Shawnee National Forest headquarters on Wednesday. Reactions from the crowd were largely negative on a variety of factors, from bats to tax revenue to anti-strip mining. Ron Scout of the U.S. Forest Service said one parcel of land owned by the federal government has minerals that... Peabody Coal Company desires. Peabody subsidiary American Land Holdings of Illinois spoke with the Forest Service regarding available lands the agency desired that adjourned other Forest Service property and purchased those with intent, the the actual intent of trading. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, you know, here's a piece of property the Forest Service wants. Okay, let's buy it and try to get them to trade for the one that we want. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's... That makes sense. That's how the market works. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, um, if you would like more information about it, but the primary thing is having a coal mine, strip mine in the middle of the forest kind of seems, what is that word? <laughs> Anti-foresty? <laughs> yeah. So. It, it doesn't seem like a good... Uh, measure for the forest and also for the local region it does involve pollution and especially that the coal company is using it as a blackmail scenario yeah they are they're saying because they've got this this really nice piece of land by Lusk Creek saying you know guess what we've got we've got like the the last inholding by Lusk Creek you know if you want this you got to give us this coal land that's on Shawnee National Forest land yeah. <laughs> it, it is like a like a blackmailing tactic <laughs> And uh, they, there are concerns of, of all sorts of dimensions of it. The, uh, the, you know, even the local economic concerns. You know, they're going to claim, oh, it'll be jobs, but there's reasons to challenge that as well. So I was glad to hear that all these people showed up at this meeting. I was unable to because of a schedule conflict. Uh, we were dealing with the guy house situation on Wednesday night, uh, but it's good to hear people out there raising their voices. There is still time to comment. Uh, you can. Uh, contact the, the Forest Service uh, on the Forest Service website, or you can also email comments-eastern-shawnee at fs.fed.us. 
And the comments can be made through January 31st. So yes, public comments are still can be made. You can also call Ron Scott at 618-253-1038. So. Yeah, so speaking of trees, uh, I liked this story. Uh, school kids want the Lorax to be more tree-huggy. What? Now, if you read the original book, the book is uh, very much about uh, protecting trees. That's true, yeah. The whole book is about... That's the whole point of the book. But now they're making a movie out of it. Uh, so uh, there, there are some concerns that the movie is not going to be quite as uh, environmentally oriented as the book. Uh, uh, but there, in response to these concerns, there has been a group of uh, uh, kids who have responded. It's, it's not just 30-something curmudgeons uh, who find the Lorax movie plans pukey. A group of fourth graders from Brooklyn, or Brookline, uh, Massachusetts, uh, has drafted a petition asking Hollywood to reinstate the original book's environmental themes. Uh, over at change.org, they requested that the company at least add more educational materials to the film's website. And I, was, I found this out last night. There's an update that uh, they've at least gotten some progress in this already. Uh, there's at least a conditional victory. Um, it's not clear if they're going to change the movie content or not, but Universal Pictures did add a prominent uh, page about protecting forests uh, to the website about the movie. So that's, uh, the petition got over 50,000 signatures. So it's exciting to me. These kids got together. They wanted to be sure the Lorax movie does actually promote promote environmental advocacy and they got 50,000 signatures and it made a difference. Now there's information about force protection on the website. And if you would like a link to the petition to sign it yourself, <clears throat> um, please email info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Let me know if you just want today's um, information about our show today or if you want to receive the show information every week. So. <laughs> McDonald's discovers social media can backfire when people hate you. <laughs> yeah, funny thing. Well, it kind of, I don't know about hate, but SIU found out that during <laughs> a brief period that, you know, social media can backfire yeah. very quickly <laughs> if you don't um, be honest and upfront, right? Yeah. When McDonald's tried to launch the at McDonald's Twitter campaign, They clearly envisioned a bunch of found memories from Big Mac lovers interspersed with behind-the-scenes glimpses into the McDonald's food, it's on quotes, food-making process. They kicked off (laughs) with a link to some of the hardworking people dedicated to providing McDonald's with quality food every day. Unfortunately, they really misunderstood social media. Result, McDonald's store, or MCD Stories was quickly overrun with the grossest, weirdest McDonald's non-appreciations its non-fans could come up with. I've got to go to it now. Uh, yeah. Just like, I want to see the, the yeah. stories. So no matter what some s- social media guru told you, Twitter is not just the marketing amplification engines. It's actually a bunch of people sharing th- things they think about sharing. <laughs> So. Yeah. So they, the, there's all sorts of posts along these lines. There's some examples that the, the news article had. Uh, like uh, one is, I used to like McDonald's. I stopped eating McDonald's years ago because every time I ate it, I felt like I was dying inside. <laughs> McD stories. <laughs> My memories of walking into a McDonald's, the sensory experience of inhaling deeply from a freshly opened can of dog food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, if, you, if you'd like to see more of those, you can go to Twitter for that Mick D stories, or you can sign up for our newsletter and ask to get the current one. It's like, <laughs> let's see. I think we should get. Yeah, we should get uh, holidays and happenings. All right, hit it up. Let's see. Today is Friday, <coughs> the twenty seventh of January, and it happens to be both Mozart Day and Thomas Crapper Day. <laughs> That's, that balances each other out. Yeah, I, play you, some I always nice listen music to Mozart while I'm on the crapper. <laughs> I was just like, um, it's also the UN International Day of Commemoration in Memories of the Victims of the Holocaust. The Anniversary of Auschwitz Liberation. The Day of Remembrance for Victims of Nazism in Germany and Holocaust Memorial Day in UK. Yeah, and it's very important to observe and celebrate, or not celebrate, uh, recognize these days because... Uh, yes. Celebrate? Well, to, well I, that, good thing you caught that. Well, yeah, for anniversary of Auschwitz Liberated, though. That's yeah. why they picked this day. Uh, that's true. Uh, it, yeah. And it's uh, important to, to commemorate it because there's people out there, as time goes on, they start denying that it happened. They start saying it wasn't all that bad. And it was, it was, uh, you know, it was really bad, and people need to. Really rec- bad doesn't even cover it. Yeah, so. no, it was, it was, uh, yeah. it, it was one of the worst uh, incidents in in human history. A recorded incidents. Recorded yeah. incidents. Yeah. You know, we don't know what happened in prehistory. You know, but uh, we need to study it and learn from it so that we can ensure that it never happens again. Yep. Otherwise, we'll forget, and it'll happen again. Saturday is fun at work day now. Why do they pick a Saturday for fun at work? <laughs> Most people don't, well, used to be people didn't work at on Saturdays. So. <laughs> yeah, well, now people are working on uh, uh, Saturday, so fun at work day on Saturday. It can't be too much fun because it's the anniversary of the Challenger space shuttle explosion. <clears throat> don't make too much fun of that. Yeah. So Sunday is curmudgeon's day and also freethinker's day. So when, while you're out there doing your free thinking, there's going to be some curmudgeon challenging you on it. <laughs> Uh, ah, now I see why it's Freethinkers Day. It's also Thomas Paine Day. We play uh, a lot of P- Thomas Paine here on WDBX on the show before this one, uh, Light on the Law. Sunday is also National Seed Swap Day. If I had known that, I would have tried to f- see if some people are organizing one. <laughs> is anybody doing a seed swap pretty soon? That'd be nice to know because I like some seeds. I got some seeds from other countries. Yeah. yeah I got some tomatoes from Iraq. Yeah. How about that? Let us know. Info at yourcommunityspirit.org. So, uh, Monday is Inane Answering Machine Message Day. <laughs> Tuesday, Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day and Inspire Your Heart with the Arts Day. Yes. Wednesday is African American Coaches Day and Freedom Day and Working Naked Day. All right. Well, that should be the fun at work day. <laughs> yeah. Or not. <laughs> so it matters how. <clears throat> All right. Happenings. Rice and Spice Slow Food Dinner. At, on Fridays at the Gaia House at 6 p.m. <clears throat> Join us this week as we explore the wide world of raw foods with Talia and Trisong. Believe it or not, there is much more to this diet than simply not cooking. And this will be a great opportunity to learn about the diverse and delicious options. Hmm. Um, every Friday at 6 p.m., rice and spice slow food dinners. Yes, yeah, so over at Gaia House and Faith Center. Uh, and also coming up tonight, Winter Folk Stravaganza at Cousin Andy's. That is tonight at 7 p.m. at Cousin Andy's Coffee House, which is on the corner of Orchard and Schwartz here in Carbondale, uh, also known as the uh, Church of the Good Shepherd Fellowship Hall. 
And they've got all sorts of stuff going on there, uh, different music going on there. We've played Raj and Bob on here. We've probably played a few of these on here. Uh, so all that going on tonight at uh, Cousin Andy's. There's a, is this a lawsuit? <laughs> the People versus Monsanto? The People's prime preliminary hearing on Monsanto? This Saturday from 11 to 3.30 at the Lazar Law Building Courtroom on the SAU campus in Carbondale. A group of writers, teachers, artists, researchers, and farmers are taking on in this hearing. They use the court as a theater to build public understanding. Monsanto, what is the awareness of their technologies in an average community? Is it possible to live for one day without products from this company? Are there any areas of life not touched by their brand? Again, The People versus Monsanto, Saturday, 11 to 3.30 in the Lazar Law Building Courtroom. Yes, some other happenings. Vigil for Peace coming up on Saturday at noon at the Town Square Pavilion. Music Showcase at the Independent Media Center, Saturday at 8 p.m., this is the Big Muddy Independent Media Center, 214 North Washington in Carbondale. This is an all-ages show starting at 8 p.m. on Saturday. Yes, and uh, one last one here. Uh, we've got uh, Our Roles and Their Destruction. It's a presentation by two regional anarchists who are visiting the Carbondale area. It's Sunday at 2 p.m. at the Big Muddy IMC, 214 North Washington in Carbondale. Uh, they talk about, uh, it was inspired in part by the Occupy movement, and uh, they brought them to town to talk about uh, decentralized power structures, direct democracy, direct action, and uh, many related themes. So that's 214 North Washington, Sunday, 2 p.m. And we can't forget the 16th annual WDBX Ball. Yes. <laughs> it's coming Saturday, February 11th, the black and white ball with sweet and savory bites by a whole bunch of different restaurants, drinks, cash bar, wine. Come dressed in your black, best black and white attire. Doors open at 7 p.m. with music from the Black 40s and the White Gold Centerfold. Hey, it goes black and white theme. <laughs> so tickets are $25 in person and are on sale now. All the proceeds benefit the WDBX Community Radio that's us. Yes. <laughs> if you like us, well, you could support us by, oh my goodness, going and eating and drinking and having fun. Having a great party. Wait. That makes... That's a win-win. Like, <laughs> That's what we call a win-win in, yeah. in the community radio business. All right. <laughs> that has been your... Now the sun's gone. <laughs> Our show's over. The sun is leaving. I'm so sorry. You're going to have to listen to us next week to bring the sun back. <laughs> yes. See you next week on the radio.